Hey everybody, hope you're having a great day. My name is Eric Hanna. I'm the President and Chief Catalyst at Mode Health. And we provide agile, people-centric employee benefits. And today we're gonna to talk a little bit about health savings accounts and HSAs uh, sort of cross two domains. And basically, you know, it helps us create access to healthcare services and how we pay for them. And so that goes right into the financial wellness domain. You know, many employers offer health plans that qualify for health savings accounts. And in some circles, HSA are, are starting to get a bad reputation. And in my opinion, the expectation for this tool have just been a little too high. Um, so I'm excited to drill into this topic and, and clear the air. And I'm joined today by Joe, Joe Irish, Senior Wealth Advisor at Sienna Investments. Joe, thanks for joining. Oh, you're welcome. Glad to be a part of it. So uh, before we dive into HSAs, do you mind talking a little about Sienna Investors and, and the services you all provide? Yeah, so Sienna Investments is a, is a full-service wealth advisory firm that includes also um, providing services to small businesses with their small business retirement plans. Mm -hmm. And as a part of that wealth planning, we've incorporated the, your topic today, health savings accounts, into that planning, um, partly because it's a tax-efficient tool, but also because we know in, in in retirement, uh, health costs are, are rising and they're going to be there. And so to try to take advantage of these health savings accounts, not only for current tax breaks, but also maybe into the future. Um, and so that's how the health savings accounts have been incorporated for us because it's just a very tax efficient vehicle. And hopefully we'll talk a little bit about that today as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you and I have talked several times and uh, we're in alignment on uh, how people can best use health savings accounts. But uh, I also know that you're really passionate about um, the advisory service that you provide. You know, can you talk a little about, you know, how you really ended up down this path as a, as a wealth advisor? Yeah, so I, by trade, I was a, a CPA, graduated with an accounting degree. I went to work for a large firm called KPMG, actually with an Atlantean office. And then uh, my passion for small business led me to a, a small uh, a regional business logistics firm. And then became their CFO and partner, but about nine years ago, uh, decided I needed to continue my passion for helping individuals and small business with their financial aspects. And then uh, with Sienna, they have an accounting firm. I became part of that and then was able to become an investor, a wealth advisor as well. And so all my passions with small business and helping individuals kind of came, came together as one. And, and on top of that, uh, I also lead up our retirement plan services division. So I'm able to help participants and small businesses set up retirement plans for their business. And, and then also talk to many participants and how to best save for retirement. And so all that kind of accumulation of all that experience and passion, and I just really enjoy meeting new people and helping them with their, you know, financial endeavors. Lots of tools at your disposal. Sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Well, to frame this uh, issue with the health savings account, you know, they are private accounts that pair with a high deductible health plan. And in a high deductible health plan, the member or patient you know, is responsible for 100% of allowed amounts up to the deductible. And the trade in that upfront responsibility is the ability to open this health savings account. So the employer or employee can contribute pre-tax dollars to be used for qualified medical expenses. And recent data suggests that one in three people who could open an HSA, so they have a high deductible health plan and they could open up this HSA, only one in three actually have it open. And of those, only about half contribute to it. And uh, so I, 
that's kind of staggering low utilization. And that's really where we want to start. You know, so Joe, why do you think that there's been this limited adoption of HSAs? Well, I would guess that much of it is misunderstanding what they are and how they work. Uh, much like 401k plans, a lot of people don't participate in those either because they haven't been educated on them. So it's an education thing. So I know with your role and with my role, when I meet with people about HSAs, I try to educate them with what they are. Also, it might potentially mean in the past, they used to have what they call the flexible spending accounts, the FSAs. And those were a little bit different. You had to use them or you lost them. So people were worried about, and you had to select what amount you put into that account each year at the beginning. And then if you didn't use it, you lost it. And you didn't just lose the tax benefit, you actually lost the amount you put in there. And so people really were, were reluctant maybe. And so there might be some education about what a health savings account is versus a flexible spending. Because a health savings account, you don't use it or lose it. You actually get to build it and it can accumulate for it can accumulate potentially forever into retirement. And so on top of um, not losing it, being educated about it, you can also then, I know we're going to talk about that, you can invest the money that's sitting there that you don't use, unlike the flexible spending account, which is use it or lose it, there was no, there was no investment in it. So I think it's really an education of what HSAs are and how they can benefit you both currently and potentially into the future. Yeah, that's where we're in uh, alignment is, uh, I agree with you. I think it's a lack of education and training on how to use them, just like any tool, right? You know, you mm -hmm. got to put it in the right user's hands and teach them how to use it and not, you know, leave that to one time a year for a 15 minute meeting, which usually happens in renewal, but it should be a year round uh, conversation about how to use this tool when it's available and how to maximize it. So I completely agree. It starts with education and training on how they work. And you got HSA, you have FSA, and then throw one more in the alphabet soup is HRA and it can all get kind right. of confusing. So making sure people understand, you know, what tool they have and, and how best to optimize it is, I agree with you completely the, the first step. So, you know, um, HSAs sound great by how we present them, you know, and how we're talking about them, but what are some of the limitations um, to implementing them? Well, so I would think that some of the limitations are is, um, cat, you know, cash flow that someone has individually is how much, you know, can they put in the account? Can they afford to put in an account? Because you, if, let's say someone's, you know, um, living check to check and they don't have a lot in their in their savings or whatever if something happens and but all of a sudden you're putting money in this hsa account you know you you get the benefit but then it's it's supposed to be used for for health health um you know you know kind of qualified health things and all of a sudden maybe yeah. something comes up so that's one of the things is once you put it in there much like a roth ira or an ira you can get it out easier but it's it's it, you get taxed on the money if you take it out for non-medical reimbursement yeah so that's kind of a limitation, I would say. Uh, for some people, maybe the limitation is actually the there's not you can't put as much into it as a, as an IRA or a Roth. Mm -hmm. And so, for some who have maybe more to save, the limitation could be the amount that you can actually put in there. And then, um, you know, there are some limitations. That I don't think we'll get into it today. Is how the how the account moves on if someone were to pass away and beneficiaries and things like that. So those are limited, you know, different than, than an IRA or a Roth IRA or a 401k. So that, that also is a, is a challenge potentially with a health savings account. Yeah, agreed. I think where uh, I'm seeing more conversation around the um, 
limitations with HSAs is where you started, which are contribution, uh, what can somebody afford to contribute? And with premiums increasing like they have uh, most of the time, I think that becomes a stretch. Um, yeah, you know, but uh, I, I think, you know, I think one of both of our goals is to help employers uh, manage that from a financial perspective so that right. employees can contribute more. Um, right. So, you know, I, you, you know, your guys' model, um, you know, I really appreciate because it's not only the, what I'll call the 1.0, which is, you know, how do we just start contributing? But then if you are maximizing the contributions annually, like how do you take it to the next level? And I know you, you like this as an, as a good investment option, you know? So, so how does that work from your perspective? How do you go from, okay, I'm now contributing and I'm contributing more than I'm taking out. And now what, what's next? So for us, because it because it's it got tax, tax efficiency to it, it becomes important because all every one of our plans is evolved around making tax efficient contributions and tax efficient withdrawals in the retirement. And so this 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 tool actually it has triple tax benefits. And so not only is it not taxed when you take it out, it's not taxed on the earnings. And as long as you use it for medical expenses, it's not taxed when you take it out. No other vehicle does that. A Roth IRA doesn't do that. A 401k doesn't do that. So it actually is the most tax efficient vehicle for retirement. Mm -hmm. um, so we take it. So we, we try to incorporate that into our tax planning, our retirement planning, if we can, for those individuals that, that are looking to save more. And then even for those folks that potentially think they can't afford it, we look at how much you put it in your 401k and your other buckets. And maybe you can simply move, move a little bit of that bucket to the, to the health savings, but then it's a behavioral switch of how you're using that account. Right. Yeah. And then one, one trick of this, and then I'll, I'll turn it back over to you is that what people don't realize is that you can pay for medical expenses out of pocket with a health savings account. And what we call shoeboxing those receipts, put those receipts in a, in a, in a shoe box and you can turn those back into yourself later. So if you can afford to pay stuff out of pocket, you can let these investments inside the health savings account grow. And then if you need them later, you can just take those prepaid health, you know, health costs that you've already paid for, basically turn them into yourself, take a withdrawal from your health savings account, not pay taxes on all those earnings. And so for us, that we get, then that's why we like these so much. And that's why we're trying to, you know, we call it rethinking health savings accounts a little bit, yeah. taking not only the benefit of the current tax savings, but also the power of the tax deferral and the tax-free withdrawals. Hopefully that yeah, that might be the that, that might be the 3.0 version, right? The shoeboxing and saving yeah. that for for down the road as part of your retirement uh, savings because of those yep. tax advantages. Yep. Yeah, this might sort of broaden the lens a little bit, um, but you said something that you know maybe think about this question: if if I'm looking to put money aside outside of my normal, you know, monthly expenses, what's the order of priority for where I should put my money? Is it you know, is it a regular savings account, HSA, you know, retirement account? Like what bucket should I fill first? And then once those are filled, I go on to the next one or should I try to approach all of them sort of equally? That's a good question. I'm going to try to think through that logically because that's on the fly here. So yeah. So normally, you, you know, one of our first things you always want an emergency fund, Right. So if you can put get some emergency fund and that can differ. Some people say three to six months salary and, and some of those things just differ on your personal preference. But typically you want a, a few thousand dollars. So if you need a new water heater, you don't have to tap stuff. But then you always want to make sure that no matter what retirement plan you are, you're, you're putting money in to get that matching that your employer 
if you have a match of your employer plan. You always want to do that because that's free. That's free money. That's that's if you put a percent in, your employer is willing to give a percent. So I would never interfere with doing the matching. Then after that, if you have a health savings account, as long as we can talk about the behavioral sides of it, the, the health savings account from a tax standpoint is actually the best vehicle to do after that matching because of that that triple tax savings. But I would always talk about it's behavioral because then I always talk about it's easier to get to than your 401k. So you gotta think of it as a retirement account, not as a save and spend type of account. Um, so we'll, when we talk to our clients about these, we're really working through that. And then like for, for me, I use my health savings account for investments, but what I do is I try to keep in my cash piece or whatever, my cash leave, what my deductible is for that year. And so if my deductible's 2,000, 4,000, depending on your family. Now, you know a lot more about deductibles than I do, Eric. I would keep that deductible in there because then I'm just covering my potential out-of-pocket costs um, for the year. And then if I have some odds and ends come up, I may pay out-of-pocket and put it, put those in my shoebox, right, if you will. Yeah. No, I agree. I think um, a great strategy is having your deductible amount sort of available, Um and then if somebody were to be starting out, uh, my usual recommendation is at least contribute or the combination of employer and employee contributions should target at least half of that uh, deductible in year one and then keep building yep. it up so that you can get over that deductible amount. Because, you know, you never know when those deductibles are going to move year to year with the employer and, and price of premium. So uh, that's right. Yeah. Well, Joe, some great information. I really appreciate you jumping on um, yeah. and sharing your experience. Um, you mind sharing how somebody might get in touch with you if they're interested in, in the services you offer? Yeah. Yeah. So the, it, probably the easiest way to get all of us is we, our website's pretty easy. It's just prepareforretirement.com. Mm-hmm. So www.prepareforretirement.com. That's, uh, that's kind of our motto is preparing for retirement. And then always can reach me uh, at our phone number 517-627-1412. And I don't necessarily, I don't know how hard, easy it is for people to write down uh, an email address, but it's just joe at cninvestor.com. Great. Well, Joe, thanks again. I appreciate it and appreciate everyone taking time with us. Uh, just a quick announcement. We launched a new blog uh, about a week or so ago. We've got our first blog post out there talking about how to build people-centric benefit plans. Uh, so go out to our website, mymodhealth.com. Um, you can find it there. Uh, thanks everybody for joining us. Have a good day. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys.